following audio is from the Anglican Church, Caroline Springs. For more information about the church, go to taccs.org.au. If you've come in the last three months and you're like, who is this guy? Um, that's a fair question because for the last three months, I've actually been out the back with a lot of our youth and we've been hanging out um, and just tackling some of the big questions of life. Right? We've, been, we've been doing that for about three months now. And I thought, well, that's fantastic. It's great that the youth get that, but we need to do that as well. We need to actually wrestle with some of the big questions and deal with that. So I thought, what better way to do that than through preaching? So over the next month, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be tackling Ecclesiastes, a pretty depressing but very relevant and contemporary book, and just kind of wrestling with some big ideas. Um, so I'm excited for that. We're going to also do things a little differently this morning. So we're going to introduce a bit more discussion, that kind of stuff. So um, if, you, if you look on the big screen, we're going to have something new. So during the sermon, we're actually going to run live question and answers. So you can see right there, there's two options. If, if I'm saying something and you're like, I'm, I'm not really sure what that means, I'm not really sure what's going on there, um, or I've just got a bigger question, like there's something going on in my life that I'd like answered, you can text in that to that. To that um, so I've got, I've got two mobile phones here, um, so running, so I, I can hear them straight up. Or you, if you've got Twitter, you can tweet uh, using the hashtag CSA questions, and that'll come up. Um, so if it's super relevant right there, right now, I'll just stop and um, we'll discuss it. Um, but otherwise... After the sermon, we actually have a time of question and answer where we can kind of delve deeper specifically into some questions. Um, but before we, we, we delve into it, I'm just going to pray because I need a bit of strength. I need um, a voice. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to pray if you have to bow your heads. Dear God, please, uh, please bear with me today. Please give me the strength to preach. Give me, give me the voice uh, to be heard and the words that need to be said, Lord. Um, I just pray that this, this message can be a blessing to our congregation, Lord, that it can be a relief um, in a tough time or get us prepared for what's coming ahead. Um, but most of all, Lord, I just thank you for who you are as the ultimate dad um, who never lets us down, who never runs away, who's always there and is totally loving and kind. Amen. All right, it's sort of, it's sort of interesting that uh, we've moved into this new direction where we're going to have like... Twitter and all that kind of stuff, because what we're talking about today is time. And uh, I kind of think it's ironic because social media exists for me to prove that I can never tell anyone that I don't have enough time. Because I'll be like, man, I don't have any time. I, uh, you, know, you spent eight hours on Facebook yesterday, right? Just, just a quick hands up, uh, if, you are on, you know, if you have on your phone or on your computer Flappy Birds, Angry Birds... Candy Crush, anything like that, just like, if, you, if you're on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, any of the other ones, right? Those things exist to say that we can never, we can never say that, right? A, a quick <laughs> uh, divulging of a secret, so between the ages of 12 to 18, I've spent over 3,000 hours playing video games. 3,000 hours, that's over three months, right? And I was chronically ill at the time, so that kind of explains it, but that's still a lot of time. And we do things that take our time 
and then we don't know what to do with it, right? But that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about time and specifically the pressure of time. I think all of us are facing some pressure from time, whether you're old or whether you're very young, whether you're you know, 30, 40, or whether you're a teenager, you're going to be facing the pressure of time. So quick question. You can just put your hands up if you agree with this. Do you think that if you had just a bit more time, if you had more time in your day, that you would be more content? Would you agree with that? No? Do you ever think that I just need more time? Can anyone agree with that? Got some heads nodding, yeah? Awesome. I feel that all the time, right? Time can be very different for us, though. So some of us can be going through a fantastic period of time. You know, we've got some, um, like Richie and Cherish just gave birth to a beautiful baby, and they're having a great time. I see all their photos. They're having a great time. Um, A lot of us might be really enjoying what's going on, but I know that for some of us, time is really a struggle right now. Um, There's stuff going on, and you're just like, when the hell will this finish? When will this end? There's stuff might be going on at home. You might be having um, arguments with with your wife or um, with your kids, maybe with your dad. Things might be a struggle. And then you go to work, and, and work's a struggle, Right? It's a real grind. And you don't, you don't want to go home because there's, there's, there's stuff there, but then you don't want to go to work because there's stuff there as well. So what do you do when it's a really tough season? That's what we're going to try and get into today and see what, see what Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said. But I thought, well, what, what's a good way to start is to actually look at the reality of what's going on. So in a recent survey... Uh, of all OECD nations, so some of the richest nations in the world, Australia has been shown to have the third worst work-life balance of any nation. Right? So we're not very good at balancing our work and life. We work too much and have too little life for ourselves and for our families. A lot of, a lot of families are struggling with time. I, I, I work with families, I see families all the time, and what I see is families who have so many freaking things to do. They've, they've got work, so they work you know, nine to five, and then they've got stuff on the weekend, um, and then they've got to take their kids to soccer or you know, cricket or, or basketball, then they've got to come to church, um, and then they've got to have lunch with all their friends, um, and then they've got to have growth group, and then um, all this other stuff, and it's exhausting. And, but, and work is more stressful than ever before. Because now you've got all these things that you need to provide. You've got um, mortgages to pay off. You've got um, schools to pay off, like private schools, all that kind of stuff. You've got um, food to buy, which is increasing. You've got to buy luxuries. You've got to keep up with technology. It's crazy how much, how little time our families have. And then we have our youth, right? Right? When, when, I, when I talk to someone who's working, they're like, oh man, I can't wait. I, I wish I was at school. That, that's what I really love. But to be honest with you, I'm so glad I'm not in school anymore. Because our kids pretty much work nine to five, then come home every single night and do homework. They're working 12-hour shifts Monday to Friday. Like, that sounds terrible to me, right? 
I don't, yeah, that's, that's not, not good. The interesting thing um, that I've found is that time pressure, this pressure of time, is not really um, affecting one group above the other. It's, there's no difference. It's very different how time is affecting us, but it's affecting us the same. So talking to families, the, the number one term that they describe themselves is time poor. They describe themselves as not having enough time. They're rushing around from one thing to the other, not being able to do anything to an excellent standard because they've got to run to the next thing, they've got to cancel stuff to get whatever done, and they are exhausted. They're running a marathon without a finish line. And it's exhausting, right? And I talk to our youth, and one of the things that comes up is this term YOLO, right? Does anyone know what YOLO means? Yeah, a few people. It means you only live once, right? You've got so much time, better make the most of it. Right? You only live once, so make the most of it. But the funny thing is about YOLO is that it doesn't really mean that. It really means, when someone says YOLO, it means I need to do that stupid thing that I know is really stupid, but tomorrow I might not be able to do that stupid thing, so I've got to do that stupid thing right now. So it's, more, it's not like YOLO, better study to get a degree. <laughs> It's like, YOLO, I'm going to jump off the roof naked into my pool. Or YOLO, I'm going to drink like seven shots and see what happens. YOLO, I'm going to drive at 160 k's on the freeway. Right? Make the most of what you can now. Because you don't know what's coming. They feel the pressure of having 60 years and not being able to make the most of it. And that's, that's, a, that's a weight to bear. Okay? So that's what I'm seeing from both sides so I want to have a discussion question right this is one of the things we've been doing with the youth is having a discussion question opening up so if, you, if there's someone next to you I need you to grab them you can grab them physically if you want but probably don't people don't like that very much grab them and ask them this question if you had four more hours every day what would you do with it so grab the person next to you and just discuss. Just ask them.
All right, guys. All right. If you feel comfortable, if you feel comfortable, what were some of the things that came up? Just, just yell it out. Sleep? What else? Cleaning? Man, that would so not be on my list. Fishing? Yeah? School? Someone say school? Something is wrong with you. What was that, Suzanne? Oh, I was a mum. That makes way more sense. More rest. Anything else? Gardening? Swimming? Family time? Someone said hiding. That sounds good. Hiding? Yeah? Hiking? Playing. That's not hiking at all. <laughs> I, think, I think it's interesting that immediately we know what we're going to do with that time. We've got this extra time. I'm like, I know exactly how we're going to spend it because we don't have that right now, right? We, we need more time. So what we're going to do today is actually look at Ecclesiastes because Solomon, the wisest man who probably ever lived, is going to have something to say. So I'm just going to read. This is what we do. I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to talk a little bit, read a bit, talk a bit, read, talk, read, talk. Okay? So this is from Ecclesiastes 3. What page? Do you know, does anyone know what page? Is that Joe? 554. Um, on the Bibles, on, on the, the pews? They're not pews. can't really call them that. The rows of chairs. So if you want to follow along, please do. This is Ecclesiastes 3. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear. Yeah, it is tear. I said tear before. It's not that. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. This is probably one of the most famous verses in the entire Bible. If you're over the age of 30, it might be because you heard the bird song, turn, 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 for everything there's a season. Um, My parents grew up, that's actually a terrible song. I don't really like it, right? I'm not not a fan of the birds. Um, But for a lot of us, that's how we know this, this line, right? For everything there is a season, for everything under heaven. And what, what Solomon is saying, I look out into the world and I see everything. I see all of it. I see the struggle. I see the good. I see the, the excellent. I see the poor. I see the rich. I see the weak. I see all of it. He's not, not necessarily just, he's just describing life. It's not prescriptive. It's just descriptive. He's saying, if you live to um, the age of 60, 70, 80, this is what you'll experience. So for, for all our youth who are going, well, actually, I don't know what life's about to hold for me. I don't know what the future is. This is the future. It's not specific. It's not, I'm going to get a university degree and then a job. 
but these are the emotions that you're most likely to experience. This is the, the day-to-day grind of life. This is, this is what's coming. This is the future for a lot of us, right? I want to ask a quick question for, for everyone, especially for those who are over 30. Has your life, just, just raise your hand if you can agree with this, has your life been way harder than you thought it would be at 21? Yeah? It's been way harder than you thought at 21? Raise it again if you can also say your life has been way better. Way better than you thought at 21. Yeah? It's interesting. It's very interesting. Because that's what this is describing. It's saying that life is very hard. Expect it to be hard. But life is also going to be way better than you've ever experienced. Right? Here's what it's not. It's not a prescriptive list. Right? It's not, it's not a list that says, well, actually, this is my bucket list. I have to do these things. Right? I'm not going to go, all right, well, all right, I've been born. I'm going to die one day, so that's off the list. I've done some gardening. I don't need to plant anymore. Time to kill. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call up my main man, Dev. Now, I hope, Dev, that you're listening, because otherwise it's going to be pretty awkward for you. Hey, Dev, how are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty good. What are you doing? You're listening to me. You're in church. Are you busy at the moment? You're very busy. I hear the preacher's fantastic. He's got some... Not exactly. What are you talking about? <laughs> this guy, this guy. Hey, man, do you, want, do, you, do you want to go hunting? I've got this list um, that I need to, like, fill out. Um, I want to go hunting. Do you want to go hunting with me? Yeah, that sounds great. Um, and also, it's just another thing I need to, to, to knock off. Um, I'm going to just grab some stones, and then you're going to have to pick them up. Because it says a time to cast stones and then to gather them together. So I'm going to throw them, and I need you to, like, just pick them all up, right? <laughs> do, you think, do you think that would be okay? Yeah, I want you to pick up stones. <laughs> Excellent. I can't wait to hunt and pick up stones with you. All right, mate, thank you very much. Awesome. <laughs> I, we don't really need to do those things, Deb. It's okay. I'm not going to get you to pick up my stones. Um, that would be pretty awkward. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so that's what this is saying. It's a descriptive list. This is life. Expect it to be hard. Expect it to be excellent. Expect it to be good. Expect it to be tough. It's all there, right? But then Solomon, he gets into it a bit deeper. He gets into explaining this. Um, and, and it's really interesting. There's a tension in the text now that he introduces. Because we read this, and because we've heard the bird song, and it's very uplifting and nice and, and poppy and whatever, we read this and we go, well, this is a beautiful poem that describes life. But what's actually going on is that Solomon is more pissed off than he is pensive. He's not just writing a poem. He's actually upset about something. He's describing everything he sees, but he's upset. So I'm just going to read, and then we're going to discuss what he's upset about. So he says, What gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. 
He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That, that, what, that which is already has been, that, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. Okay. So there's a tension in the text, and I want to, I want to hone in in a specific line. It's in verse 11. He says, God has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. That's what we're going to focus on today. That's a big, meaty tension. So what, what, what is Solomon upset about? Solomon's upset because he's found out that time, time itself is beautiful but burdensome. Time is beautiful and burdensome. So there's a time for everything. Like, have you ever just experienced something being really timely? So I know for me and Sarah, a number of times in the last year, stuff has happened, and I was saying, man, that was the perfect time for that to happen. Either someone's um, brought us food, or someone's just come and said, here's, here's some money, um, or like we've got discounts or stuff, and it's just been like incredibly timely. The Hebrew word that, that is used here says that time is appropriate. It's, time is beautiful because there seems to be some rhythm or order or pattern or purpose behind it all that makes it beautiful. Time is ordered, so it's beautiful. But here's, here's the kicker, right? Time is burdensome because we can't actually work out what the hell's coming. We can't work out what's ahead. We can't work out where we're going. We can't work out what's going on. So time is burdensome. Walter Kaiser, is a, is a great philosopher, says that there's something inside of man that desires to find out why. An eternal quest to work out everything, to put the dot on the end of the sentence, right? We're a, a generation that loves... Well, we, I think that's what makes us human. Like, uh, uh, generally, one of the things that everyone can agree with is that we ask why all the time. And it's not programmed into us. Like, if you've got little kids, right, they ask why all the time. Like, and I, I heard it once said that you're four whys away from turning into your parents, right? Why is the sky blue? Um, I'm not really sure. Why don't you know? Um, didn't, didn't, didn't study that. Why didn't you study that? Uh, uh, why? 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 Just cause! Has anyone said that with your kids? Right? We're people who ask why. We, we, we label like yes men who don't ask questions. We, we have them negatively. There's something inside of us that wants to find out why, that, that is searching for something. But what, for whatever reason, we can't work it out. So I want to go back into the next question, right? So grab that person, again, shake them if you need to, if they're, they're asleep or whatever, and ask them this question. What is your biggest why question? What is the thing that keeps you coming back asking why? 
So grab, grab the person next to you and just discuss. There's a bit of a hush, so I'm going to take that as you've, you've had a go. If you feel comfortable, what is your biggest why question? What is the thing you keep asking, why does this happen? Just throw it out there. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great question. Any, anybody else? Dad? What, what else? Joe? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. Any other ones? Here's some of the questions that, that um, I know the youth have been asking. We, we, we discuss this quite a lot. Why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there seemingly so much brokenness? Um, why do... Why? What happens to us after? I know that's not a why question, but like, what happens when we die? Um, someone texts it in. Why does it seem like walking with Jesus is so much harder than doing whatever I want? Why is that hard? We've all got these why questions. I don't think, I don't think anybody had to really stop and think, oh man, I haven't thought about anything. I don't have these on my heart. I know I've got these. For instance, for pretty much my entire teenage years, the question I want answered more than anything else, and I was crying, why did God want me to be sick? So from 12 to 18, I had chronic fatigue syndrome. I missed almost high school. I lost all my friends. Like, why, why me? Why me? Why is there this sickness? Like, God, aren't you meant to be good? Why me? And I didn't get an immediate answer. Right? So what, what do we do? What do we do when we have these why questions, these insatiable desires to, to know what's going on, what's happening, what do we do with it? Um, Solomon's answer, he's pretty upset at this point, um, and he's, he's gonna, what, what he says is, do whatever you want. Eat, drink, be merry. If you've been in church um, longer than like three months, you've probably heard this expression that there's a hole in the heart of every man and woman that's God-shaped. So you've got a God-shaped hole and that 
you'll never be satisfied, you'll never be complete, you'll, ne- you'll never work out your why until that's, that's kind of done, right? And this is where this is kind of coming from. This is that, that angle that he's taking, um, that, there, that there's something missing, that there's this desire for us to find out why, and we can't work out why, and that frustrates us. That's why he's frustrated. Um, so what do we do? So- Solomon says, fill it with temporary things. And for most of us, that's what we do. We just fill it with temporary things so that we don't actually have to keep asking this question. The only people who actually have to keep asking this question are people whose suffering is a daily reality. Right? When I was sick, I had to keep asking the question because I didn't have anything apart from 3,068 hours of um, football manager to, like, numb it. Right? It was at first and foremost. It was right there. For most of us, we just do stuff and it fills the void. And here's the thing, right? Temporary things work for a season. Temporary things work. And what, what do I mean by that? Like, I can trace how I've tried to fill this void for, for searching out why from almost when I was born, right? Because when I was younger, the thing that I wanted more than anything else was a bit, of, a bit more freedom from my parents, Right? And then I got that and it was like, hallelujah, I'm free, I'm done. Um, but then I wanted something else, I wanted a car, right? So I got the car and you know, like, man, I feel like a boss now. I've got this car, it smells good. My car doesn't smell good anymore. It's actually got, um, it's pretty bad. Um, I'm not proud of that. Um, my, ca- my car's in a bad state. But you know, I got this car and I felt so good. Um, but then, then I wanted to finish high school, right? So it didn't satisfy me. So I went and I finished high school. And I'm like, man, if I just get to the end of high school, then my, my options open up. I don't have to go to school nine to five. I can do whatever I want. Um, so I got to high school. And I'm like, oh, man, actually, I need a university degree. Um, so I went and got a university degree. I've already got one of those. I've got a bachelor's in applied psychology, applied science. Um, it didn't satisfy me. So I went, oh, well, I'm going to get uh, another degree. So I'm in the middle of that. Um, but, you know, oh, I'm, I'm 21. I need to find my significant other. I need to find my one. Um, I don't think ones exist, but whatever. I need to find you know, my partner for the rest of life. Um, so you know, I found Sarah. We met. Um, we fell in love and we got married. Um, but Sarah's great, but she doesn't satisfy me. Um, so now I'm like, all right, well, what, what am I, I going to do? Um, I'm 24 and I've done all these things, right? What, what, what am I going to do? I, I haven't been able to fill it with temporary things. All I've done is, tump, is just punt my dissatisfaction downfield every time. I want more freedom. Oh, well, that didn't satisfy me. I want a car. Didn't satisfy me. I want to go to high school. I want to finish university. We just punted it downfield every single time and never even realized that we were dissatisfied. We never even realized that the question that was burning in my heart had not been answered. Right? And that's what Solomon's left us with. He says, temporary things work. I can't work out. It's not gonna, God's not going to answer it in the long term. Um, I'm pretty upset about this whole thing. So what, what does he say? He says, um, there's nothing better for them to do than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. That will fill your hole. That will fill your, your void, your whatever. Um, and I see that, man. I see that every day talking to my friends. I, um, I, I had a day a couple of weeks ago where I was just really, I'd lost hope. Um, 
and you know, I was having a really bad day. Um, so a couple of stuff happened. I thought I broke my foot. Um, I had a virus. Um, my bike cleats, I, I ride ride bikes, it had broken. Just everything. I'm just like, man, this is just not working. Um, so I put up on, on Facebook that even though, even though I don't have hope and all that kind of stuff, God always gives me hope. Like God's always my satisfaction. And one of my, my mates who's staunch atheist, like love him to bits, great guy, go to Richmond Games. That's probably um, why I lost hope in there being any significant other um, Richmond Games. Um, and he said to me, he's like, he, he sent me a private message. He's like, hey man, when I lose hope, this is what I do. I call the pizza guy and then I drink vodka and I thank God for Russians because they invented vodka. Thank God for vodka. Like vodka's going to get me through, right? I'm like, oh man, you've just been ecclesiastic. Um, and then I thought, you're an idiot. Who the hell says ecclesiastic? Um, something wrong with you. Temporary things work. Vodka works. Pizza works. University works. Getting a new car works. Having a family works. Um, all this stuff works. But they won't actually answer the question. So what are we left with? I have some reflections on this. And I feel God's given me a real burden to share this with you. So I know that my voice is is strained and it's deep and it's hard to listen, but I really need you to listen in. You will never, look, look at me, like physically look at me, you will never know relief from the pressure of time until you know the God who created it. If you want relief from the pressure of time, get to know the one who created it all. And I've got three reasons for that. The first reason is you'll try to own time when you never could. The second reason is you'll try and plan your time when there is a bigger plan, a better plan, and you'll get discouraged and lose hope because you can't see the bigger picture. I'm going to go through them, right? You'll try to own time when you never could. First and foremost, I think most of our dissatisfaction with time, our, um, our feeling time poor, is the fact we try and use it like an economy. We try and spend it like we own it. Like our greatest economy is not our um, skills or our resources or what we know. It's our time. Most of us trade time for money. That's how the economy works, right? Um, excuse me. We trade our time for money. And I just think that if we realize we're not actually the creator of time, we're not actually the owners, we don't have control over it, we'd actually feel a sense of relief. Because when you try and own something, you try and make it do what you want, and Solomon's just clearly explained that you can't do that because God's not allowed that to you. Um, so you get frustrated, just like Solomon has, and you get upset, and you feel these time, this time poor, and this, this ridiculous stress from time. I didn't say it before, I want to say it now, right? Um, with, our, with our youth, our, the average teenage high schooler has the same level of stress as a mental patient in the 1960s. Just let that sink into you. The most common medication is antidepressants. Three in ten women, especially, will be on any, an antidepressants at any one time. We are feeling the effects of stress from having no time. 
We have no time. Right? And I think partly it comes from the fact that we try to own it. And here's the thing. God created time. There hasn't been a sale on time as far as I'm aware. God hasn't sold it. He hasn't passed it down the line. God didn't die and like pass on his inheritance to his son or something. God's the owner and creator of time. He's always going to be the owner and creator of time. We need to recognize that, right? C.S. Lewis had this great quote. If you've been a Christian long, it's like a, almost a Christian cliche. It's like, oh, I don't want to use it. Here's, here's the quote. If I find in myself desires that nothing in this world can satisfy, I can only conclude that I was made for another world. Okay? What C.S. Lewis was um, pushing against was this idea of empiricism. Um, it's, a big, it's a big word, right? What's empiricism? Empiricism is this idea that what exists... Uh, uh, how, how to say it? The only things that exist are what you can see, what you can hear, what you can feel, what you can um, touch. Um, there's a fifth sense that I've forgotten. Taste? Did I say taste? Smell. Smell! I always forget the nose. Um, so they're the only things that exist. And like, you're like, oh, of course there's more than that, right? But um, I'm sure we've all, all thought this before. I would just, like, we've probably got that friend who says, I would just believe in God you know, if he came down out of the clouds and I could see him or I could like, touch him or whatever. That's empiricism. That's what C.S. Lewis is rebelling against, right? But I think what time is kind of revealing for us is that there is something more, right? We can't feel the pressure of time. We can't touch it, taste it, sense it. But we've got this pressure on us. And what C.S. Lewis is saying, and I agree 100%, is that this time pressure, this feeling of so much stress, should actually like, make us run to the owner. It should make us run to the creator of time. Right? God owns time. We don't. We need to relinquish our control over time and go... God, it's in your hands. And the question, like a totally fair question is, why the hell should I trust God? Like, why should I trust God? Especially with time. Like, he can, he can deal with me after I'm dead, but like, why, why should I trust t- God with my time now? The biggest reason that I can come up with why you should trust God with your time and why I trust God with my time and so many Christians spend their time like just searching Him is because when, Christians, first and foremost, don't believe in a distant God. We believe in a God who is real, who came down out of the heavens, was a man on earth. And here's, here's the thing, right? Listen, he spent the entirety of his time on earth for you, specifically, individually. Jesus Christ was not just a man. He was the God-man, the Son of God, God himself, who came down out of the heavens and lived perfectly, died horrifically, and rose again magnificently, spending all of his time on earth for you. So can I trust God? Hell yeah. He spent all of his time for me. I think I can trust him. A, he's the creator of it. B, he's, he spent all of it to only, like, bring me back into a relationship with him, making me right again. So can I trust him? Yeah, yeah, I can. Um, so our first pressure of time is that we try to own it when we can't because God is in control and we should trust him. Okay? 
Second reflection that I have is that we'll try and plan our time when there is a better plan going on, right? Um, you, might, you might read that and be like, oh man, he's like telling me never to make a plan. Um, that's, that's not what I'm saying. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of plans. I've had like a life plan since I was 21, right? None of it's happened yet, but you know, I'm going to take over the world one day. Um, but plans change, right? I, I, was, I, was, <laughs> I was reminiscing... Um, about plans that I made when I was 11. Yeah, I was an ambitious 11-year-old. Um, so here's, here's some of the things that I wanted to do um, you know, by 30. I want to be as good a rapper as DMX, right? I, um, I wanted to be an international goalkeeper for Australia um, in hockey. I wanted to be a fireman. I wanted to live in a house made of bouncy castle materials. I wanted to eat meat all day long. And the only one that I've actually accomplished is the meat one, because I love meat, right? Does anyone actually know who DMX is? No. That's really disappointing. Man, my 11-year-old self was cooler than y'all. I was a four-year-old, actually, because I was, I was hanging out with Mac. Does everyone know Mac? He's a big Islander guy, like full of life. He's one of my favorite people, right? I was hanging out with him down at the shops, and he had his little son, Jaden. Right? Jaden's like a ball of energy, the cutest kid that I've ever met, right? And he's in his shopping trolley, and me and Mac are, are, are um, talking, and he just turns to me and goes, Hey, Jimmy, do you want to hear a song? I'm like, Yeah, I'd love to hear a song. He's like, Y'all going to make me lose my mind up in here, up in here. Y'all going to make me act a fool. I'm like, Man, this is the coolest four-year-old ever, right? Man, he's already accomplished my life dreams. That's DMX, if you, if, you, if you don't know. Classic rap. Um, that's all right. I didn't expect to know hip-hop. I... The reason why we need to... Um, the reason why we can't plan it when there's a better plan is that ultimately a lot of our plans fail and ultimately a lot of our plans, there's something bigger going on that we don't see, Right? Um, I don't know about you, but I had heaps of plans. I was going to become a psychologist in Geelong. I was going to move to Geelong. Um, I was going to the World Cup um, 2014 in Brazil. I got married instead. Pretty good deal, um, but like my plans changed, right? Um, I was going to grow up in the northeast suburbs. I was going to live there. I was going to buy a house, find myself at Caroline Springs with a wife. Um, how the hell did I end up here, right? My plans have changed dramatically in, in the space of four years. Right, and we try and plan our time so meticulously. Like I, I've been reading things. If you if you don't have a life plan, you'll just end up where you don't want to go. If you want to, if you want to like go somewhere, you need to plan it out. I'm like, yeah, amen. But here's what you need to do: you need to remain flexible, and you need to actually listen and talk to God, because you know, God's not the only, only creator and owner of time, but He's got a better plan for us. He's actually got more stuff planned than you could ever imagine. Like most of us is like, well, God's, you know, save me, whatever. God's actually got a better plan than we could ever imagine for us. God's plan is so much bigger, right? I wanted to go to the World Cup. I got married to the woman of my dreams. Praise God. Like, do you know what I mean? Man, my voice went high then. Like, <laughs> prepossessant. I'm excited though. Sarah's awesome, right? God had a bigger and better plan for me, right? And, you know, Scripture backs this up. This is, this is Proverbs 16.9. If I can find it. I knew I should have put like a thing here. Proverbs 16.9 says, 
The heart of man plans the way, but the Lord establishes his steps. We can make plans, but God already knows them, and he's got bigger and better plans for us. So what, what do we do? We need to remain flexible and not get upset and annoyed and frustrated when actually, um, you know, I plan this, um, but God's got this. Like, I wanted to come to this church. So I've been at this church 18 months. I was actually going to come to this church um, two and a half years ago. But for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. You know, me and Jono, we wanted to start up the youth ministry here, and it just didn't work out. And I got so upset with God. I was so angry with God. Um, and like, I know, I know a lot of you look at, look at the, the pastor and the preacher, and he's meant to like have this fantastic relationship with God. Like, Solomon was, was upset. Man, I was like Solomon times two. Like, I was like, God, where the hell are you? I've, you know, I've signed up. I, I want to come out here. Why isn't this coming through? Right? We need to remain flexible. God brought me here perfect in his timing. Right? I would have come here on my own, not knowing anyone. Instead, he brought me with a beautiful wife who's a fantastic support. He's, he's given me a fantastic job with great support. He's brought me here perfectly in his time, not mine. His time, not mine. Right? So, like, ask yourself, are you actually listening to God? Are you getting upset because you can't work out what the hell's going on? But are you actually talking to God? Are you praying to God? Are you conversing with God? And I'm not going like, to embarrass you by saying, when's the last time you prayed? Because right? I know, I struggle with prayer. Right? I get it. I'm like, well, um, you know, maybe, maybe yesterday, um, before that, like a week and a half, uh, like maybe when big things happen. Here's what I've got convicted about lately. And I'm trying my hardest to like, change this, right? We need to pray in the everyday so we know exactly where to go. Right? A lot of us have these big, ambitious life plans. We know where we want to go. We know what we, what we want for our kids. We, we, we know all that kind of stuff. And, and sometimes we pray about those. Right? That's awesome. But we need to pray in the everyday, in the small circumstances, so that when we've got those big, ambitious life plans, we take him to God automatically because we already know who we need to go to. We already know where we need to go to because we've gone to him every day. And, and like, it's just small stuff, right? Um, I, used to get, I, I, I used to get really upset with God. Um, like, I'm like, God, you need to reveal yourself. Um, but we just need to, to talk to him. I, I wouldn't talk to him. I'd just get upset that he hadn't revealed at all like this plan for me. I'm just going to take a drink of water. My voice has gone from deep to really high. Um, that's better. Now it's gone deep again. Like a performer. <laughs> so are you praying? And not just, not just in the everyday, uh, not just in the big stuff, not just when crisis hits, not just when um, crap stuff happens and you're like, I can't deal with this, I need God. Are you praying in the everyday so that when all the big stuff happens, you automatically know where to take that? You automatically, well, actually, I need to pray about this. I don't need to struggle. I don't need to um, strive and, and like, really wreck myself and do it on my own. No, I take it to God automatically because I've done that every day in the small stuff. Um, secondly, secondly, um, if, if, if you're actually, if you're married, so most of the people in our church are married and with kids, right? Married or with kids. If you're either of those things, 
God's actually revealed most of, like, a really big part of his plan for you, right? So, um, you know, I'm married to Sarah, and I'm, I'm asking, well, God, where do you want to take us? Like, what do you want to do with us? All that kind of stuff. Well, God's actually revealed most of his plan. He's saying, be the best damn husband that you can be. That's part of, that's part of my plan for you. You're married. You got married. That's part of the plan. Now be the best at it. Like, support her all out, right? So many of us are like, well, I don't know where to go next. I don't know what, what, what I'm doing, all this kind of stuff. Well, God's probably revealed a major part of his plan for you. If you're, if you're a husband or a wife, be the best damn husband and wife you can be, right? Don't, don't try and go do all this other stuff and ignore that and then say, well, God hasn't revealed his plan to me. Well, actually, he has. If you're a mum or a dad, right? Today we're celebrating dads. I love dads so much, right? But if you're a dad, what part of God's major plan for your life is the fact that he wants you to be the best damn husband, uh, best damn father or mum that you can be, right? He's calling you to that. He's saying, actually, I'm calling you to this. There's this huge plan that I've got for you. It's going to be way better than if you worked 90 hours a week. It's going to be way bigger than if you started this huge CEO, uh, huge company and you're a CEO because I've called you this. This is part of my plan for you. And we ignore that and then we get upset and we get frustrated. Right? God's revealed a major part of his plan to you if you're married or if you've got kids. And even if you're single. If you're young um, and you're single, do you agree when Paul writes, are you single? Then use your time wisely. Use it for the Lord. Like, can you say amen to that? Because if you're just doing whatever the hell you want, well, God's revealed part of his plan for you at that stage and you're just ignoring it, man. Just ignoring it. Here's, here's the last thing. Here's the last thing that I want to talk about. If you want relief from the pressure of time, you need to get to know the God who created it. Because otherwise you will get discouraged and lose hope when there is a bigger picture that you cannot see. There's a bigger picture that you cannot see. So... Um, I'm probably the loudest singer in this church. That's a, that's a mantle that I happily take, right? I'm the loudest singer in this church. Um, and if you've heard me, that's not a compliment, um, right? So my mum laughs and no one else does because she knows how bad I sound, right? People, people give me compliments. Great sermon. Um, love that you hang out with our kids. Thanks for coming over, Jimmy. No one has ever given me a compliment on how well I sing. I sound like a foghorn that's running over like an angelic choir, right? Like I sound terrible. I sound as bad as I sound right now, okay? I sound terrible. But here's why I'm the loudest singer. I am the loudest singer. And I I made this promise to myself very early in going to church that I was going to be the loudest singer in everywhere that I go. Here's why. I need you to look at me. Like, look at my eyes, right? You need to be loud singers. And I have chosen to be a loud singer because I have a deaf heart that needs to hear those words. And it needs to embody those words, right? Because when crap stuff happens, when life gets you down, when you've got situations at work, when um, family stuff is going on and you feel crushed and persecuted and perse- like just struggling on all sides, I need my heart to say, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. When I am feeling like there is nothing out there, when I've lost all hope in the goodness of humanity, when I am just struggling with the brokenness, when I'm conversing with someone who's been raped 
or, or someone who's had sexual abuse or who's been bullied or who their dad or mum has walked out, I need to know from the top of my head to the tip of my toes, I need something inside me to cry out, you are good when there is nothing good in me. Like, like that song, How Great Is Our God, my heart will sing. We need our hearts to sing so loudly. We need our hearts to sing. And I've got to be honest with you, a bit of, I'm, I'm really concerned about our church because we're not a congregation of loud singers. And it's, I'm not worried about the Sunday. Right? I'm not worried. I don't care how it sounds. Obviously, I don't care how it sounds. My voice is terrible. Right? I don't care how it sounds, but I need to know personally that I'm singing loudly so that my heart can hear it and it can just sing it back to me. When this stuff goes on, when this terrible stuff goes on, right? So I'm concerned that our congregation doesn't sing. And it's not for the Sunday, it's because I'm concerned that when life hits, that when something terrible happens, that when you get stressed or anxious, or even you just feel the pressure of time, that your heart won't sing back to you the way that mine does. And to be honest with you, that is such, for me, my heart singing back to me has been such a form of grace. It's been such a form of grace. Because I, when all of me wants to give up, I can say, in Christ alone my hope is found. Secondly, right? I'm almost at the end here, so just keep, just keep up. Secondly, so many of us get frustrated with God because he hasn't revealed his major plan for us. I'm just going to put this down. He, he hasn't revealed like everything. We don't have the PDF version. Like I didn't know, well, at 18, you're going to finish high school. Actually, 19. Um, you're going to meet Sarah at 21. Um, at 24, you're going to move to Caroline Springs. Like, I don't know that, right? So for so long, I've been like, dear God, um, I don't really know what's going on. Um, if you want me to eat these jelly beans that I found on the floor of my car, um, then like, can you just, can you just like stop that? Give me a red light. If you give me a red light, then I'll eat those jelly beans, right? Weird example, but that's how so many of us have been, right? We try and look for that stuff. But he, here's the thing. We don't need the PDF plan because we've got the Holy Spirit. We don't need every single detail filled out maximally because we actually have a guide. We actually have someone to follow, right? We've got himself inside of us. That's what the Bible describes. And if you've ever traveled overseas, um, is it, just anyone, raise your hands if you've gone to a castle. Has anyone been to a castle, right? How dumb are those plaques, right? No one wants to read a plaque, right? Plaques don't help me when I'm lost. Plaques don't help me when I need more information. Plaques don't help me when I need clarity. They've just got this, right? I don't need a PDF. I need the Holy Spirit who is a guide, who will help me when I'm lost, who will give me greater clarity, who will give me purpose, who will encourage me when I feel like I've lost hope, and will just point me to Christ all the time. Right? We don't need a PDF. We don't need the plan because we've got the Holy Spirit. Here's the last thing. I just want to invite the band up. Yeah. The band up. I want to read a poem, right? And here's the last thing. Like Jesus himself had to see the bigger picture. Jesus had to see the bigger picture of what was coming. Because if Jesus, only, this is so much of us, right? 
so many of us just see the bad stuff coming up. We see, just like Jesus, imagine if only he saw the cross. He saw the suffering. He saw the torture. He saw the death. Imagine if that was all he saw and he didn't see the redeemed people beyond it. He didn't see the rescued people beyond it. Right? Jesus had to see the bigger picture and that's why he didn't lose hope so often. I want to read you something. I want to read you something from one of my favorite authors. Um, his name is Tony Campolo. Right? This is a poem that he wrote. It's called Friday's Here But Sunday Is Coming. Friday's Here But Sunday Is Coming. Um, here we go. It's Friday. Jesus is arrested in the garden where he was praying, but Sunday is coming. It's Friday. The disciples are hiding and Peter's denying that he knows the Lord, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Jesus is standing before the high priest of Israel, silent as a lamb before the slaughter, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Jesus is beaten, mocked, and spit upon, but Sunday is coming. It's Friday. Those Roman soldiers are flogging our Lord with a leather scourge that has bits of bones and glass and metal tearing at his flesh, but Sunday is coming. It's Friday. The Son of Man stands firm as they press the crown of thorns down into his brow, but Sunday is coming. It's Friday. Seeing him walk to Calvary, the blood dripping from his body. See the cross crashing, see the cross crashing down on his back as he stumbles beneath the load. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. See those Roman soldiers driving the nails into the feet and the hands of my Lord. And hear my Jesus cry, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Jesus is hanging on the cross, bloody and dying. But Sunday is coming. It's Friday. The sky grows dark. The earth begins to tremble. And he, knew no, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Holy God, who will not abide with sin, pours out his wrath on the perfect sacrificial lamb who cries out, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Friday is here, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. And at the moment of death, the veil of the temple that separates sinful man from holy God was torn from the top to the bottom because Sunday is coming. It's Friday. Jesus is hanging on the cross. Heaven is weeping and hell is partying. But that's because it's Friday and they don't know it yet, but Sunday is coming. And on that horrible day 2,000 years ago, Jesus the Christ, the Lord of glory, the only begotten Son of God, the only perfect man died on the cross of Calvary. Satan thought he had won the victory. Surely he had destroyed the Son of God. Finally, he had disproved the prophecy God had uttered in the garden and the one who was to crush his head had been destroyed. But that was Friday. And now it's Sunday. And just about dawn on the first day of the week, there was a great earthquake. But that wasn't the only thing that was shaking because now it is Sunday. And the angel of the Lord is coming down out of heaven and rolling the stone away from the door of the tomb. Yes, it's Sunday. And the angel of the Lord is sitting on that stone and the guards posted at the tomb to keep the body from disappearing were shaking in their boots because it's Sunday. 
And the lamb that was silent before the slaughter is now the resurrected lion of Judah. For he is not here, the angel says. He is risen indeed. It's Sunday. And the crucified and resurrected Christ has defeated death, he's defeated hell, he's defeated sin, and he's beaten the grave. It's Sunday, and now everything has changed. It's the age of grace. God's grace poured out into all who would look to the crucified lamb. Grace freely given to all who would believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried and rose again, and all because it's Sunday. Jesus had to see the bigger picture. For many of you, it's Friday. For many of you, it's Friday, but there's Sunday coming. You have to see the bigger picture. You have to see what comes ahead. For all of you who are in the midst of a terrible season right now, who are struggling from all sides, I need you to look at me. and I'm going to read this thing from Revelations. It says, One day God will wipe every single tear from our brow, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Revelations 21.4. That is what gives me hope when I have got nothing left. The fact that one day God is coming to put everything back in order. He's coming to put everything back the way it was meant to be. He's coming and there's going to be a better picture than we could ever have imagined. Friday is here, but Sunday is coming. So do not lose hope. Do not lose hope. This too shall pass. What we're going to do now, I'm going to sing. And I want you to take your lungs, I want you to take everything you have and sing loudly. Right? Especially if you're going through tough times right now. Especially if you're suffering. Especially if you don't know where there's hope. I need you to sing loudly. As loud as you can. Because I need to know that your hearts have heard it too. You've been listening to the Anglican Church Caroline Springs podcast. For more information, go to taccs.org.au.